You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Live on SEN Top End, 16:11 a.m. This is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark. Raph Clark and Rob Hale for Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End, 16, 11am. Breakfast powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. Rick Nolan joining us today with Raf Clark and Robbie Hale on work commitments. Not too sure we'll see much of Robbie the Guru Hale in 2024, which is a shame for footy fans all over the territory. Uh, just ask him. But we're going to talk uh, about the NTFL Round 15 action from last weekend. The first game we're going to discuss is my mob, the Darwin Buffaloes 10-9-69, defeating the Tiwi Bombers 9-3-57. Two on the trot for the Buffaloes. Many in the football world will say that it's a little bit too little, a little bit too late. Obviously, the Buffs are relying on losses and percentage from other games around the competition. It's still a mathematical chance that the Buffs can sneak into the top five, but the work is definitely ahead of us. But in saying that, a win is a win, Rick. It's always good to get two wins on the trot just to sort of boost that enthusiasm in the last uh, couple of rounds of the season. Our skipper, Jared Stokes, has been in excellent form, having kicked nine goals in the past two weeks, averaging over 30 disposals in that past fortnight too. So I think he had a 34 disposal six-goal game um, and 27 disposal, three-goal game. Jared's last quarter uh, against Palmerston, and, and I know there'll be talk about the opposition and, and the quality and all that sort of stuff, but I genuinely think he had about 15 disposals, six goals in the last quarter against Palmerston. Um, watching from afar, obviously I've had a front row seat to Jared Stokes of the last sort of six or seven years, and um, I was fortunate enough to play under you, Rick, and some of the champions of the game, a Pete Cameron Islet, and uh, you know the list goes on, Peter McFarlane, players like that. I think Brody Filo has been an excellent player for a long time. But Jared Stokes is very, very quickly sneaking up into my top five players that I've played with or against in the NTFL competition uh, over the past decade. What are your thoughts on the buff skipper? Yeah, he can certainly break lines. So, you know, he's quick quick, and, you know, and metres gained are really, really high. I'll never forget his game in that grand final against Districts. He virtually... Nah, that, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of other good Buffalo mm. players that day. But that day, he was absolutely phenomenal. Nearly... Drag buffs to a premiership, so no, he's highly, uh, highly rated. Been very durable as well, and mm. um, been yeah, certainly buffs main player over the last decade. There's been a lot of champions at the Buffaloes Football Club, but I think his name is going to look right amongst them, even in the 100-year history of the club. I think every year you could put a claim in that he's been our best and fairest. I think he's won about three or four of them um, and probably plenty more to come. He'll finish as a 300-gamer, no doubt. I think he's played around about 200 now, so plenty more football in Jared Stokes. Baxter Mensch, an absolute ball magnet, the son of David Mensch, who was a different player to Baxter. David Mensch was a forward, undersized ruck for the Cats, um, where Baxter's the nuggety midfielder, ball magnet. He's had 44 and 46 disposals in the past two weeks. A fair old 
on average. It takes me about four weeks, Ricky, to get 45 disposals. So, um, gee, it's amazing watching Baxter go to work. Um, I've genuinely never played with a bigger ball magnet than Mench. He's just always there. He's always in your peripheral uh, vision, but he's been very, very good. Darcy Lang was Tiwi's best performer with 35 disposals, while Brock Orville's been a bit of a surprise packet for the Bombers. Um, he had an excellent game and was dominating the clearances late in the contest. He was the one that was sort of threatening to take the game away from us, I thought, last week, winning clearance after clearance when, when our midfield sort of stopped for a little bit there during the latter stages. Um, what do you make generally of the win against Buffaloes? Obviously, it was nothing too impressive, nothing that's going to send shutters through the top five teams, but I think it was still a mature victory to, you would know yourself, when the TV Bombers are up and about and have all the momentum, it's sometimes hard to wrestle that back, and that's what I sort of tried to emphasise to the group at training, that, hey, look, we didn't play our best game, there's plenty of negatives if we want to talk about it, but to still be able to combat a, a rampaging Tiwi team and get the game on our terms and win the game, it's, it shows a little bit of maturity. Yeah, you're right against Tiwi, there's going to be moments in a game where they'll kick a couple in a row and they're up and about, the crowd's up and about, and you just got to, then it's about getting your composure and weathering and uh, weathering that. Brock Orville, is that, he used to play for Waratahs, yep. is that correct? Yeah, he come up with Sam Waddell, I think, yeah. So, interesting that he's uh, landed yeah. at, um, I can remember him as a good player for, um, for, for Waratahs back in the day. Darcy Lang also played for Waratah a couple of games oh, a right. few years ago, so he's the ex-AFL player. I think he's won a league medal in the Geelong Football League, which is a very, very good competition. Um, Ex-Carlton player, ex-Geelong player, so yeah. highly credentialed there. What are your thoughts on Tiwi Bombers' season? I think it's certainly been an improved effort under coach Patrick Bowden. They're playing with plenty of passion, plenty of, um, you know, pride. They're, they're really playing out games um, and they're being very competitive in 23-24. Yeah, look, we don't want... Um, I know that we'll probably speak about it a bit later. The competition in the top five is as close as it's ever been. Mm. And we don't want floggings. You, know, you look at those scoreboards, they're not getting... You know, there's been times where they were getting beaten by 200 points and players running on the field that, you know, you probably shouldn't... You know, mm. we don't want... You know, need to be a bit fitter in that and a little bit more professional or being. But no, Tiwi Bombers, every time they're taking the field, they look like, a, a, you know, a compatible... Um, compatible NTFL side and, you know, and credit to Bowden who's mm. turned it around and the whole football club and the Tiwi people to really buy in and they've been, uh, been good. There's plenty of talk over on the islands that the shifting of when the season gets played has really helped. I think, um, and again I've got them in my notes for later when we preview the game against Southern Districts, but I, what I like about what Patrick Bowden's been able to do is he hasn't sort of relied back on your you know, Ross Tungatalams or Jason Perintatamarius. And I was probably guilty of thinking that as well when I was thinking, how do you turn Tiwi around? It was like, well, if we can get these players engaged and get them fit again, then who knows? But he's sort of backed in the players that no doubt have trained hard and, and are trying to set the standard. Brendan Cantilla is the new skipper, has been exceptional, in my opinion. I think he's been, you know, elevated himself into the top 20 players in the competition, just worked so hard. He's an on-field voice out there. And then you look at some of the new players that have come through, like Carlson Cantilla and Thaddeus Jimmy, players where if you look up their Play HQ history, there's barely any information about them. They must be playing good football on the islands, but they've really adapted well to the NTFL competition. So no doubt plenty of positives for uh, Paddy Bowden and Bombers, Rick. Yeah, you're right. You've got, to, you've got to create culture. So if these players aren't coming to you hear rumours or they're not coming to training or they're not doing the right thing, well, then, then you set a stand. I can remember running into Dean Rioli a couple of years ago when they were getting beaten pretty badly. And he said, no, nah, we're going with the ones that train. We're going, like, and that's, so it's been set. Yeah, you, they've got to continue to go down that path. The ones that do the right, you know, people missing, not getting on planes. It's just not good for, it just doesn't set standards and that sort of stuff. So obviously they're doing, uh, they're doing something very, very, doing something well there at the moment. Definitely. Second game of the round that we will discuss. We must mention some of these low scores were due to torrential weather conditions last week. We were warming up on Oval 2 and it was crazy. It was just 
caked with mud and water and it was your boots were soggy before you even ran out. So a lot of low scores last week. St Mary's 6-9-45 defeated Pint 4-6-30. Dylan Lant, the star, with 42 disposals, 13 clearances. The week before that, he had 36 disposals and six goals against Wanderers. He's in excellent form at the moment. He's the reigning Nichols medalist. I think that he'll be one of the Nichols medal favourites this year. We might devote a segment to that later on the show to talk about some of the other contenders there. But Dylan Lance, an exceptional footballer for your Saints. Well, used to be Saints, sorry, against Pine. I shouldn't be saying that now, but the team that you coached three premierships for. Yeah, it is. Lance, uh, yeah, he's as good a player probably that's ever played at the St Mary's Footy Club. He's a bit, very good player. And I think they've got that core there. I think Lance and Paredes are as good as it's been. You've uh, got... Um, Calder at full four, and I still um, uh, Kieran Parnell, I still reckon, is in the top ten in the comp. So mm. they've got that core of four of their best players are, you know, are really in the the mix of being in the top ten, twenty in the comp. So you've got that core to build a team around. I think they've recruited exceptionally. Um, yeah, and I think they'll be right right around the money towards the end of the end of the year. Um, yeah, Pint's still. They're going pretty well. Going to make the finals still. Mm-hmm. You know, on their day, they they can still knock over to knock over top sides. Probably that weather probably suited St Mary's. St Mary's have hardly lost a game in the wet. They're a good wet weather side. So Pints are still around the money, even though um, yeah, Saints are pretty good wet weather side. Stephen Motlop, ex-AFL player for Geelong and Port Adelaide, and Lockie O'Brien, the former Carlton player, who was a top. 10 pick when he was drafted originally. Uh, well, Pint's best last weekend. It helps having that ex-AFL class. They don't need to be ex-AFL players per se, but having that that real top-line player um, to match, like you said, the Dylan Lance and Nate Paredes who are available every week for Saints. So um, very good there by Pint to have those two, new, both new additions to the club this year. What do Pint need, do you think, to be able to compete with some of these top teams? Because from the outside looking in, I see them as the the genuine fifth team of the competition. I think there's a tiny gap. You know, I know they've beaten Nycliffe and they've had wins against these top teams this year. But what do you think they need to do to win a premiership? It's going to be hard from fifth position, but not impossible. Yeah, I agree. They can win it. It's not that a lot of things would have to go right, but it's not out of the um, not out of the question that they could win a premiership this year. It's funny about O'Brien. I was watching a game. Might have been on the week. No, two weeks ago it was, and someone just exploded from the contest. Like just. Mm. 10 metres faster than any... any, And there was guns in the midfield. And I thought, Who, who's that? And I then looked him up. And he's still contracted to Carlton next year, actually, so I've been told. So, yeah, he's a he's a massive pick-up. And you can see with those you know, with those AFL players. But how do they need to improve? Probably... You need to know... Like, people have said, oh, points get an extra two points or whatever it is than anyone else. I, I would rather an under-eight. I would rather be able to... Because I enjoy the development side of things. I'd rather try and develop under 18. So they probably need under 18s I and mean, more zero pointers to put more pressure on those zero pointers, you know, with, with the point system. So that's where I think if they're going to go to the next level, and don't get me wrong, they can still win a flag this year. Uh, they probably just need a little bit more depth in their footy club. Yep, doing it all with our, one of my favourite zero pointers and a loyal listener to the show, Paddy Doyle, who has been struggling with injury as well. So it'd be good if we've, the big defender can come back at some point. I think he's struggling a bit this year with injury, though. We'll move on. Waratah, 14-12-96, defeated Wanderers, 4-7-31. Lachlan Cassidy had the ball on a string with 38 disposals. Ryan Clark had 35 touches and a goal. Ryan Clark, an ex-Sydney player. I'm not going to throw... And North Melbourne. Yeah, not, yeah, exactly. Sorry, Matt, I can't forget that. Um, I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus, but I was having a chat to someone who was saying, I don't think Ryan Clark's going to have much of an impact up in uh, Darwin. And I was absolutely baffled by that statement, looking at his stats when he plays VFL, getting 40 touches, three goals and things like that. Um, he's averaging about 33 touches a game for Waratah. So 
A really good inclusion there. Uh, Jackson East continuing his excellent season with Wanderers having another 38 disposals. Obviously, not too much to, to write home about this game. You know, they've, they won a game that they should win in the wet. But where do you see Waratah at the moment? Yeah, it's right in the middle. I think the top four, the, I agree with you, the top four, I just can't pick. I reckon districts are slightly maybe better. Yep. I think the top four, anyone can win. It's still fifth pints maybe. Highly unlikely, but the top four are pretty close. Um, only where you get that Ryan Clark doesn't suit him. I actually watched him because he's ex-North Melbourne. I watched the first quarter, and I reckon this is where whoever said that to you, <laughs> his first quarter was horrendous. He turned the oh, footy yeah. over about five times. The heat got to him. It was a stinking hot day. It was 2 o'clock versus Tiwi, I think, and I was sitting there going, God, he, you know, this bloke can play. I've seen him play in a grand, an AFL grand final. So obviously it takes a while to condition up here, but whoever, if you watch that first quarter of him, he, was, uh, he had a shocker, but obviously he's going to be a gun and come finals time, he turns it on, anything could happen for, for Tars. Last one on the Waratah Wanderers game before we go to the news. Jaden Magro booted four goals, continuing his excellent season. He's kicked 55 goals in 13 matches, which is not a bad average at all, Rick. I'd like to see him win the Dennis Dunn trophy this season after going so close last year and getting pipped in the last round by Jackson Calder. Um, Magro's been an excellent recruit, hasn't he, for Waratah over the last couple of years? Yeah, top five in the comp easily, I reckon. Yeah. He's, um, yeah, a little bit the heart and soul of Waratahs, I reckon. Um, Magro's a, a terrific player, been a, a terrific pick-up, can go through the midfield as well. Good bloke too. Plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays in the Top End. Well, welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End, 16, 11am. Breakfast powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. We're going through the round 15 action from last weekend, the NTFL action. We spoke about Buffs beating Tiwi, Saints beating Pints and Waratah getting the job done against Wanderers. The last game of the round is Southern Districts 18-22-130, defeating Palmerston 3-3-21. Jonathan Ross was the star with a career-high nine goals. I was... Thinking about Ross and, you know, you talk about some of the lesser likes for Southern Districts and, and I think they're the players that win your premierships in a way where the star players sort of look after themselves but every team in the top five has elite star players. If blokes like Jonathan Ross, who has played a lot of Division One footy and reserves footy over the past couple of years, can step up and have a season the way he has, 37 goals in 11 games, I think it's a phenomenal... Uh, effort from him and, and he was well rewarded last week with nine goals. He's had an excellent season so far. Jared Brander, who is an ex-AFL player with West Coast and Greater Western Sydney, booted five goals to keep pace with Magro for the leading goal kicker. I think he's just one goal behind Magro and, and obviously he's coming home very strong Brander, so a very, very good player there. Rick, the Southern Districts boast the best list in the comp. That's what I think at this stage. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's, it's so open. It's really open. But I do reckon if I was to put money on someone, we shouldn't bet, I'd, I'd, I'd go Districts. I just think having that big full forward in Brander, he is a very, very good player. Jed Anderson is a star and really starting to come mm. into it. Um, they've recruited well locally. You know, like they've got their, their, you know, they, these players are based here in Darwin. Um, yeah, I think they're as good a chance ever to, uh, to win a premiership this year. So that's a big thing for you, isn't it, Rick? You have been there and done that at Premier League level, coaching a flag. Those players that can relocate and live up here, like your Jared Branders and Matt Johnstons and uh, players like that, Jordan Cotter's another one who's a star in the Ballarat League that's come up and relocated. It's so important to have those players that can come up for the six-month period and stay for the whole season, isn't it? Yeah, massive on it. It sets your culture. They're at your functions. They create a culture of hard work. I think this, yeah, it, and the history will tell, tell you the side that wins a premiership, I think your fly-ins are just topping you up. You've just got to have that good local, the, the good local base. And it don't have to be 
local born and bred players, but players that are living here that are just setting standards of training. Waylon Davey having a good season for the Magpies, and the Magpies too have been topped up with some decent recruits that's just struggling with depth and struggling with a lot of things at the moment, really, the Pies. But uh, there's a player, Tyson Young, I believe his name is, that played for Northern Bull Ants, I think, in the VFL, and he is an exceptional footballer. He had 41 disposals against us, and I watched him another week. He's a big 190-plus Ruckman midfielder type that just does everything, and he's a very, very good footballer um, that's playing for Palmerston at the moment. So Palmerston sort of seemed to have that ability still. Perry Lewis-Smith's been in good form for him, a VFL player as well. They had that ability to recruit top-line players, but it's just sort of falling away. If you look at the stats most weeks, you're talking 15, 16, 17 players getting under seven or eight touches. And I know that's not a huge indicator. Disposals and everything, but um, probably just need more players to sort of share that workload a little bit at the Magpies. What is your thoughts... Um, what are your thoughts on Palmerston's season so far? Obviously, you know, we don't like to sink the boots in or anything like that, but they're a side really struggling at the moment. Yeah, I, I, I'm not all down on Palmerston. There's 30,000, 35,000 people out there. They're juniors. I think they're 16s on top of the ladder, 18s around the mark. They've just got to transform that into, into senior players and people loving their club. They've got to get the local people behind, you know, local people and local businesses behind them. So facilities are second to none. Uh, some good people out there. So uh, they're not going well on the ground and it just seems to happen all the time. They lose players or players. Like I think about 10 years ago, they won 318 best and fairest, 318 premierships in a row. You know, it mm. really hasn't translated into anything. So that's, um, yeah, maybe we've got to tell these kids a few home truths down there and then they just got to, and then you need those leaders. To, and that's why I like the local based people showing these people how, how what's required to um, train. I'll go to say Austin Wanamari, I'm talking back 20 years ago, coming over from the Tiwi Islands and he was training with Carl Lodes and Heath Culpitz and these mm. sort of people. And then he's going, oh, well, if I want to play AFL football, I've got to at least train at that level or higher. And um, yeah, just you need people being able to set standards of training. I might uh, stall a little bit on that last question and see if, there's, um, if that's allowed to be asked for you. But Josh Heath has been replaced as a... Well, hasn't had a, a full-time replacement announced just yet, but Josh Heath will no longer coach the Palmerston Football Club um, next season. Thoughts on Josh Heath? He's someone that sort of did his apprenticeship under you and someone that you know quite well. Uh, he's one bloke who has given a lot to football in the top end and, and his dedication and his love for coaching. Do you think we'll see Josh Heath pop up anywhere else? And, um, and, and, and what's your thoughts on Josh Heath as a coach? Yeah, look, as I said, I had a lot to do. I mean, put his name for, look, don't get me wrong, I put his, I was the one that put his name out, yeah, out there a lot. So, um, look, hopefully if he keeps at it, I hope he hangs around football because he's a good person. Um, yeah, just... Um, yeah, just had no had no luck there, but I hope he gets a second a second chance. It probably my thing to him is probably with your coaching, like you're still trying to play a little bit, mm. just to concentrate. Like you either got to play or we got to coach. And uh, if you can still play, continue to keep playing. But once uh, once it's over, then turn to coaching sort of thing. But I hope he gets a second go at it. Good person, and yeah, and he'll be better the second time around. Very nice, Rick. We do have to go to a break. I might ask you if you've heard any whispers on uh, who will coach Palmerston next season and, and what they need and, and what you would do if you were potentially given the job. Uh, plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays in the Top End. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am. This is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark, Raf Clark and Rob Hale. For Rain and Horndarwin, finding a place to write your next chapter.